You're listening to a Flawless Noises Media Network production. Stories where the gay shit goes. I am your host, Trillificent. Thank you so much for joining me for another week. If you want additional content from me and my squad, or you just want to support the show and Flawless Noises Media Network, you can do so by subscribing to the Flawless Noises Patreon. That's patreon.com slash flawless noises. Or you can also buy some merch. Gay Side Story shirts are available. So go to flawlessnoises.com store and check that out. And before we start the show, a couple of quick shout outs. First, Charnel and Frankie of the What About Your Friends podcast, who you have both heard on this show. They had another live show, so congratulations to them on that. I love seeing smaller independent podcasts be able to do things of that nature. Secondly, past guest Medino Green, who you heard on episode 73, recently celebrated a birthday and has a new song out called Flex, which you heard as the intro of this episode. So check that out. The link is in the show notes. Support LGBT talent. And now let's start the show. I am here with the incomparable Nick, one half of the Megasheen podcast. Shout out to his co-host, Victor. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. And thank you for such a lovely introduction. You're quite welcome. So let's keep it going. And please tell people a little bit about what Megasheen is about. Okay, well, Megasheen is a gay and geeky podcast uh, hosted by two uh, black uh, geeks of color. Um, We talk about anything from comic books. We talk about uh, sex a lot, Um, video games, anything that is between those two realms. So uh, this past episode, we had the screenwriter, director, creator of Final Destination, Jeffrey Reddick, on our show uh, to talk about uh, Final Destination, horror movies, you know, all that stuff. Um, And we've been doing this, oh, God, uh, since 2016. Oof. Yeah. Come on, three years? (laughs) Yeah, three years is coming up real soon. But yeah, um, we like what we do. I hope y'all like what we do. If you're not listening to us, check us out. Uh, We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and now Spotify. Yes. Uh, Yeah, that's that's a little bit about us. All right, that's what's up. So all of the information about the show and where you can find it will definitely be in the show notes. So if you missed any of that, don't fret. In the meantime, we're going to give you more of our lovely voices by 
moving on to the next segment, and that is the queer query. Question. First question. Which X-Men cartoon do you prefer? The animated series or Evolution? Without a doubt, X-Men animated series, because I was alive and I was watching that motherfucker when that hoe was live. And not to say that Evolution is not a good cartoon. It was it's good in its own right. However, when I when Evolution started, I X-Men animated series was already over. And so I looked at Evolution as trying to be or emulate animated series and that automatically turned me off. Plus the kid they were in like a high school setting. Mm. And I don't like kids like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, never mind. But animated series the X-Men animated series during the nineties was is actually one of my top three cartoons of all time. Yeah. So nobody can fuck with all of those actors that voiced all of those iconic roles. So it was just everything. It, yeah, it was everything. And I, I mean, I don't want to be a shameless plug, but I'm going to be a shameless plug. We had the, uh, the sc- uh, screenwriter and director of the animated series on our show. I think it was last year or the year before last. And they were talking about how all of the, actor the voice actors had uh stage work so once you remember you know like the iconic storm roles or apocalypse by john calicos that's why they sounded so bigger than life because they had that resume and that talent behind them Mm. so x-men animated series hands down is my favorite I'll give Evolution what it was or what it is, but yeah, X-Men animated series, without a doubt. So I, too, chose the animated series. So full disclosure, I have not seen X-Men Evolution in its entirety, and I feel like we were kind of in the same boat. Like By the time it came, uh, like you said, the animated series was over. And then they were like in high school and I was like, eh. Right. Um, I wasn't particularly fond of the graphic style. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I just, I don't know. I don't like how they just kind of made them all like skinny and svelte. Like they all had the same frame, whether they were man or woman or beast. and i was just like so everybody got the same shape like so did they all go to dr miami together or like what is this (laughs) you know like it wasn't a lot of variance in just you know so i wasn't a huge fan of that of the animation style so that was pretty much it and so by default i have to choose the animated series because listen i x-men animated series is definitely in my top three as well based just on the phoenix and the dark phoenix stories arcs let's alone t- let's talk about it let's talk about it because i've said on Machine multiple times that the phoenix saga is at its heart a love story mm-hmm. and um like we didn't see that kind of story transferred into this kind of media before so what was it i think it was nine episodes you had the phoenix saga and then you had the dark phoenix saga afterwards Mm -hmm. so this whole intergalactic battle over gene 
was just everything to me. Now, I will admit, I didn't understand it a lot when I was growing up because, you know, I was still a kid. But now, looking back at it, it is very much one of the best stories in any medium told and created. Yeah. I can't disagree. And that's just the one. Like, you think about what else? The Phalanx saga. Um, they, all that this. scared me. That so was, scared that me. Scary, especially uh, that part with Rogue and her ex boyfriend. He turned into like that weird lizard cricket thing. <laughs> oh like, yes, we yes. can touch now. I was like, bitch, I don't want to be no fucking insect just so we can touch. Get the fuck away from me. <laughs> exactly. Or I the loved... story, uh, the story with um, Storm and oh god, what was his name? Archon when he uh took her away to uh Polemicus. Yes. He was like, Oh, she's my queen, but then he was like, Bitch, you do what I say. It's like Right. Is like, this the one her? you want to try? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> like I don't I, I just feel like that's poor decision making at its finest to be like, I'ma try to control the bitch that can control the weather. Like, uh, is this what we really want to do? Exactly. How you gonna kidnap me? Tell me to fix your planet. And then tell me that, oh, I have to do what you say. Because um, you the king. Do you know about me? <laughs> you ain't king enough to fix your own kingdom without my help. Right. Just because you have washboard abs and a good smile don't mean that I'm going to give you this good this good yaya. Yes, uh, nah, nah. I was like, Storm, girl, you got to leave these white devils alone. <laughs> Come on, sis. Hey. But, I mean, they didn't really give her much to choose from either. So That's true. And the story with... um. The Tom Fugitives, when uh, yeah, there was yeah, that and outbreak, and everything. Yeah, there was that outbreak, and all of the X Men died. Oh, that, that fucked me up. Listen, <laughs> oh my god, that <laughs> fucked I, me up as a kid. That and fucked like, me up. I cannot episode, lie. That part where Apocalypse had came out of the house and he basically killed the X Men right there, and then um, it flashed forward to Cable saying like, uh, and his computer talking. Saying, in order for your your timeline to survive, you have to let this virus go on. And I was like, oh, bitch. That's deep. It was. So, we say all that to say, because we have gone down a whole rabbit hole of geeky goodness. Right. <laughs> X-Men animated series is where the fuck it's at. All right. All right. Last question. What's one piece of advice you have for the gamer community? Oh, let's see. You all need to be more inclusive when it comes to people that don't look like you. Because as a whole, the gaming community is still white and it's still male. And I'm tired of seeing all of these twinkie gay guy, gay white guys, you know, whether they be streaming on Twitch or what have you, being the face of gamers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, um, okay, so what about this person? What about that person? There's no visibility for people that look like me or that other gay category. And I'm just like, it's 2019, and I'm tired of seeing these twinks. Like so tired of seeing these tweaks. My God, the album fucking annoying. That is, and we can apply that way beyond just the gamer community, but 
Agreed. I would just say <laughs> for the gamer community, and when I say gamer community, I'm saying G A Y M E R, basically gay uh, gamers. Um, chill out on the racism. <laughs> like, right. like Nick said, be more inclusive, but specifically, chill out on the racism. Like, getting online and calling people all kinds of, which I guess this is the entire gamer communities. Maybe, maybe not just to the gay side, but chill out on the racism. Right. Don't, I mean, honestly, get, the, don't get it twisted because I will still. It's not a problem to take a red eye. True. True. <laughs> but. Um, I would say some of the others, like, you know, the sexism also as well, but mm-hmm. you know, for that specific community, like, chill out on, on the racism. Like, y'all are hella racist, and it's it's, it's tired. Like, yes. if anything, you would think their video games would bring everybody together, but... Right. Because we can all be whoever the fuck we want to be, depending on what game we playing, but, you know... Just because you lose and I still got to be a black nigger bitch. And it's just like. Right. Oh, gosh. That's too much. Some of the names I have been called on these fucking games. Oof. And it's just like, I thought this is supposed to be stress reliever. Right. <laughs> but that would be my main advice. Like, let's let's chill out on the racism as a, as a starting point. Yes. All right. So that's going to wrap those up. And um, shout out to you. <laughs> the X Men conversation was getting good, but we had to cut it short. Listen, <laughs> we could do a whole it. episode. Listen, because <laughs> we didn't talk about Alpha Flight. We didn't talk. It was so much we stuff that we didn't talk about. Ooh, that was okay. a good show. So, this is the last thing I'm going to say about X Men uh, animated series. Okay, I was so sexually attracted to Sabretooth. I don't oh, know why. What? I don't know. I don't <laughs> don't hate me too much, but I, something about Sabretooth and his crazy psychotic ass. I was like, you know what? I like that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I think that's a first. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that before. Sabretooth, Sabretooth, Magneto, um. Yeah, I might need to talk to my therapist about that. But <laughs> Magneto, I might be with you. Mm-hmm. Sabretooth, I just, mm, I don't feel like you would survive. <laughs> I would go down swinging. You gonna, you gonna go down bleeding? That's what you gonna uh-huh. do? <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll die happy. Give me that good wood, and then you know, off with my head. Let's pray that it would. You know what? We're just gonna we're gonna leave that where it is. We'll right. pick that back up later. You know, <laughs> next time we'll have you on the show. We'll have a, an X Men geek episode, and we can, you know, I can be your therapist and be like, so oh. why do you feel like you're attracted right. to sharp teeth? <laughs> but, Come on, beloved. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so. This week's main topic, we are going to be talking about procrastination as it pertains to self-care. So the name of the article that I found to help supplement this conversation is called Procrastination Doesn't Come Out of the Blue. What's Behind Yours? And it was written by a man named Gary McLean. 
and it was written on HIVplusmag.com. So one of the things that I made an assumption about when I first saw this article and kind of read through it was that the self-care that they're alluding to was specifically talking about managing um, HIV. But I I wasn't 100% sure. It feels like it was kind of written from that standpoint. But the points in the article are pretty universal. So we'll still talk about them. So to start off, he talked about some possible reasons for procrastination. So he started off by saying, my take on procrastination is that it's a way of having control in our lives. We don't like to be told what to do. We don't want to do things we don't like to do. And so we maintain control by deciding when we will get started on an undesired task. So how do you feel about that take on procrastination? I think it's very relevant, especially to millennials, because we grew up with the idea that we can do what we basically have the king to the kingdom and we don't need to, we can do anything we want. We can be anything we want. So when it's like mundane tasks, such as, you know, for example, just say taking out the garbage. It was like, Oh, I'll get to that later. Oh, I'll get to that later. Oh, I'll get to that later. And then it becomes a bigger issue and a bigger issue and a bigger issue until you got trash all up, all up and through the house. And now you're like, oh, my God, I don't know how it got like this. Eh. So I could see where he's coming from as far as this reason for procrastination. Yeah. My only observation on that is that it kind of makes an assumption that we're cognizant that we're procrastinating. And I don't agree that that's true 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times we may be procrastinating on something and we don't even realize it until you look up at the clock and you're like, oh shit, I was supposed to have done X, Y, Z an hour ago. Like this has taken a very specific stance on you are procrastinating because it's something that you don't want to do versus it may just be something that I planned on doing and I just don't have a good sense of time and I've been kind of unconsciously procrastinating like I knew that I needed to do it but I still didn't get up and do it versus Mm -hmm. I am actively choosing to wait until the last minute to do this you know what I'm saying yeah yeah okay I need to wash dishes but I'm sitting down and I'm watching tv I know I need to wash dishes but I'm watching tv I'm procrastinating I may not be doing it on purpose but it is being done versus having a project for school and you wait until the night, but you purposely wait until the day before it's due to do it. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a difference right. between that kind of passive and active procrastination. In my yeah, opinion, I can, that. I can see that line of reasoning. So the next thing he says is procrastination is also a way of avoiding failure. After all, if you never get started in the first place, you don't have to worry about experiencing defeat. I agree with this 100%. I think a lot of us, myself included, fall victim to this. Oh, yes. Oh, definitely me. Because there's this, if I fail, then I won't get the second chance of doing it again. And 
then I go into the snowball effect as, oh, people that look like me don't get a second chance. So it has to be right the first time. And it spirals into yet something else as far as, okay, I have to have everything lined up in a way that I can control the outcome. And if I don't have it, if I can't control the outcome, if it's not 100% of what I want it to be, then everything goes awry and I can't, it won't be in my favor. And then I'll go down like this shaft of, oh, woe is me type shit. And that is something I know I have brought up in my therapist many times, like Mm -hmm. this whole fear of failure. And I'll get real personal with y'all. There's this thing that I know that I am struggling with as far as career, as what I want to do with my life. So this fear of failure keeps me locked in to what I know is true or what I know I can control as far as I know that I have a job that I really don't like to go to, but Mm -hmm. so long as I'm going to it, then bills are getting paid and I have employment. Right. But taking that leap of, you know, what if it's something else in another state, maybe in another country? I don't know what that outcome looks like because it's so a lot of the factors are un- unknown and I can't control them. Strumming my pain with <laughs> your feet. <laughs> Listen, that was literally I mean, me until I made this move to Seattle. That was literally me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm scared to to move to somewhere that I don't know anybody or that I don't know how it's going to be. I don't know what the work environment is like. Just so many unknown factors. So I definitely agree. Um, I definitely can say that I, too, actively procrastinate as a way to avoid failure on some things. And there are some things that I'm just now realizing that I've been procrastinating on for like years. And so I'm starting to peel back those layers and try things that I didn't try before and do things that I never did before. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to add something to this because this is saying people procrastinate as a way to avoid failure. I would also venture to say people procrastinate to avoid success as well. Absolutely. And I can use myself as as an example, because there are some things that I know I need to do and I know that I can do and it'll be beneficial, but I'm scared of what that success is going to look like. How is it going to change my life? Is it going to be sustainable? And Mm -hmm. so the fear of succeeding sometimes is just as crippling as the fear of failure. It's like, I'm scared that I'm not going to be able to do it. But at the same time, it's like, I'm scared that I'm going to be able to do it because usually success catapults you to the next big thing. Mm -hmm. but you have to be mentally prepared for it. And success brings you into a whole nother light of people looking at you. Exactly. And not only looking at you, but having a new and potentially more stringent set of expectations of you. Yep. Like you did X, Y, Z and we've witnessed you doing it. So we believe that you can do a through Z now that you've shown us that you did X, Y, Z. And it's like, um, I don't know if I signed up for that. 
Right. Like, I, I, I signed up to do X, Y, Z. I did it. I feel good. I feel confident that I've done it. And people around you are like, no, you got to keep going. If you do one thing, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. We have this push, push, push attitude in our society where it's like, don't stop. Keep grinding. Sleep when you're dead. So all that foolishness. Get, yep. Which, ugh, anyway. And especially for minorities and black people, mm-hmm. since we are, since we've been at such a disadvantage since we were stolen and brought here, there that expectation of keep going and keep going, this success is always this never ending or never reaching goal. So a lot of that fear of success stems from issues that we have brought on ourselves through whether it's you know trying to be better than because i always uh go back to that scene from scandal mm-hmm. when uh eli pope came and he told olivia he told his her uh, that black ass the first moment when he said i told you what i have you have to be better than everybody else okay. i didn't tell you to go sleep with this motherfucker uh president you could at least slept with the chief of staff you could at least been a lesbian and ate somebody's bus like or puss like come on now why'd you sleep with a president well yeah but he was like first lady he was like that ain't shit <laughs> right it's, it really isn't <laughs> he's a like first why lady not ain't shit. yeah why not have you like if you're gonna be sleeping with him why not have your sights set on chief of staff or this or that like yeah i definitely do agree and i would also add that I can now that we've gotten into the conversation, I can see fear of failure as like a generational curse type thing. Like I I just I think in in my head of so many people that I knew growing up or so many examples that we see of black, mostly black, but, you know, other minorities sometimes, too, that there's so many people with like hood mentalities or like these defeatist mentalities where they don't even want to try because they don't want that burden on them of you succeeded. Now you got to bring the whole family with you. Kind of mm-hmm. similar to what I was saying before about being afraid of success. But I think on the, on the other side, it's not just I'm scared of, of succeeding because of what it's going to propel me to. But it may also be I'm scared of succeeding because of who's going to latch on to me as I propel to the next thing. Right. You have all the all this success, but then you giving twenty dollars to help Junior's college fund. You giving fifty dollars to help get somebody's braces, and then all of this is success, and you don't have anything to show for it. Exactly. A good example of that is a lot of the um, athletes, mm-hmm. where as soon as they start getting some money, they either feel like because they've been programmed to feel that way, or they. Uh, have people around them with their hands out and they feel like I got to take care of my whole family. I got to take care of my mama, buy my mama house and pay my mama bills. And then here come Uncle Jimmy that I ain't seen since 1992. He got his hand out. I got to give him some money. And here go my homeboy that I grew up with. He wants to be in on everything. So he's going to be my road manager. You know what I'm saying? And it gets to the point where you've surrounded yourself with people who you really haven't vetted because family needs to be vetted too. Let's not Let's not mince words on that. And now you're in a situation where it's like your success has made it 
to where it has actually morphed into a burden. Mm-hmm. And so I think on the front end, a lot of people procrastinate or talk themselves out of doing stuff either or so that they don't have to deal with that because they already know it's like, OK, I don't want to be or if I'm going to be successful, I need to be independent first and then be successful because I know if I get successful now with my family around me or with my friends around me or whatever, people going to have their hands out. People are going to be having these expectations. They're going to try to tell me that they are responsible for my success. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a, a thing where it's like, I would rather not do it than have to worry about my dad who ain't paid child support in eight years Oof. coming around on some shit, acting like he Drake daddy. <laughs> expecting to have champagne and bitches (laughs) and it's like you ain't even been around why do you get to take advantage of that you know what i'm saying so i can see people just being like i'd rather not or i'm gonna take my time doing it because i'm trying to not have to deal with that nigga better have some sparkling wine and a seat Uh, right (laughs) more importantly a seat okay so the last thing says human beings get attached to our day-to-day routines even if they aren't working that well for us We like to stay with what's familiar. Change means stepping into the unknown. What will life be like without our routines and habits? I actually think that this is maybe a little similar to what you were saying before about not knowing where your future lies and and Mm -hmm. being afraid to take those steps to see what life has for you, whether it's in a different city or different company and all that kind of stuff. I think that this probably speaks to that very well. And I don't disagree. I know a lot of people like they just change is hard. And I think the amount of people that actively embrace change is a lot smaller than a lot of us realize. Mm -hmm. Because I also don't think that a lot of people realize how adverse they are to change. Like it's not always clear and evident that I don't like change. You know what I mean? Because you think, okay, well, when I change things, it's fine. So I'm cool with change. But being cool with change is change happening, whether you orchestrate it or not. Right. And I don't think most of us are equipped to deal with that or it takes us more time than we allot ourselves in order to embrace that change. Right. So I can definitely I, see you procrastinating because you're like, OK, but th- if it ain't broke, then why try to fix it? You know what I mean? Like, I can mm-hmm. see that. I know for me, since I don't I don't say I'm a control freak, but I. I demand things a certain way. And when I don't see that those things are happening to the way that I know. Will benefit me or not even benefit me, but will be to what I think is best, then I'm all out of whack. So I can completely understand like holding on to these routine habits because you know the outcome. Mm -hmm. So changing those, those habits or those routines will, it will definitely feel scary because you can't control if you go right instead of left, you don't know what's at the uh, the other end of right. So I can under I completely understand being so risk adverse 
to change because I'm definitely a risk adverse person. Yep, that makes total sense, and you are not alone. You it's a Scorpio in me. <laughs> okay, so let's move on. We've identified, or rather, the author has identified his feelings on the reasons for procrastinating. So now let's talk about ways to overcome procrastination. So the first one is don't use this as a reason to criticize yourself. Easier said than done. Bitch. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I am so overcritical of myself. Oocha. And I'm overcritical of other people too. Oocha. Because if I can do it, and I set this imaginary expectation. If I can get that unrealistic expectation, then why can't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I look at you in a certain way and it it just cascades into very negative thoughts about you versus, okay, why are you making these expectations higher than hell or higher than heaven itself that people can't get to, much less you can't get to? And... I know I think that the the first part of this is realizing what you can and can't do. And that it does not happen overnight at all. At all. At all. Yeah, that's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what to say on that. It's like it's it's just it's easier said than done. It's very easy to tell people don't criticize yourself, but so it's it's twofold because on the one hand, I think a certain level of self, of you know, being critical of yourself is healthy and good because it keeps you on the up and up. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a very thin line and a fine line between a healthy criticism and it getting into a negative territory where you're demeaning your entire existence versus being like, okay, I know I could have done better. I know I could have proofread this article one more time before I sent it. Mm -hmm. That's different from saying, I know I could have proofread this article one more time before I sent it. I'm a worthless piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like there's a, yeah, if it's not negative criticism, then I don't think it's necessarily bad. But it's very easy because criticism, that word criticize has such a negative connotation that we immediately think it's bad. I know in in therapy, um, because we were talking about how I criticize myself and I go through all of these different ways of to criticize myself. So if somebody else tries to criticize me, I'm like, okay, well, I already did that because so you can't criticize me. You know what I'm saying? So if I could get to it myself, then nobody else's opinion would matter. But my therapist said that's an unrealistic expectation of yourself and of that person as well. So like how, you know, a a person is going to criticize you no matter what, whether you check all the boxes, dot all your I's, cross all your T's, whatever, somebody is going to criticize you. So don't take it so much as you can't receive criticism versus you. Oh, how did he say it? 
basically don't be so hard on yourself. That's what it boils down to. And that's what uh, McLean basically says mm-hmm. in this, uh, these uh, outcomes. Okay. The next one says, take a look at your perspective. One of the reasons you might be procrastinating on doing what you need to do to take care of yourself is that you may be lumping all the things you need to into one giant iceberg that you have to chip away at. Um, I would, I can see this. I can see you to the point where some people, they have a hard time picking tasks apart into manageable sizes. And so it becomes that thing where it's like, I don't want to have to do all that. So I'd rather just not do it at all versus being like, okay, I know let's, let's say cleaning up, for example. And you know, you have to clean the kitchen, you know, you have to clean the bathroom, you know, you have to clean your bedroom, you have to clean the living room. You got a vacuum, you got a sweep, you got to whatever, what all it takes to clean your living situation. Mm-hmm. And I can see both sides of the fence where it's like you're procrastinating because you're like, it's too much to do. I can't do all that. I don't have it versus being like, okay, I got to clean up, clean up, clean up, clean up. Let me let's do room by room and let me break down the tasks that way. You know what I mean? Like I can see just feeling overwhelmed because you can't see the sub parts of what you're trying to do versus the entirety of it at one time. And it's overwhelming because all you see is the big picture and you can't get the small details to make it so you can start doing things. Right. I know that it's, I always look at, I, you, well, I'm trying not to look at things as so like, I can't do it or, you know, like the, the example that you gave as far as uh, cleaning your house or whatnot. So I'll, you know, one day I'll say, okay, I'm going to do like the kitchen and get that done. And that'll be it. You know, I can say that I've done something. It may not be everything that I want, but at least there is a start. And I think that's another big part, like starting because people just get so bogged down in details or they just don't want to or what, whatever the reason is starting is such a, a big issue for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. The next one says, focus on the benefit of adherence. Between when you left your doctor's office and faced your self-care plan, you may have lost sight of why you are embarking on this plan. So this is where it started getting specific. And I felt like they were the example that he was using in the article was a guy that basically is HIV positive and needs to start his self-care plan including medication and things of that nature. So this got a little specific, but I still think it's, it's good advice to keep your eye on the prize basically. Mm -hmm. And remember why it is that you're doing what you're trying to do. And maybe it's not foolproof, but maybe that helps you get over your procrastination because you're saying, okay, why am I doing this? And we can use, I like, the idea of self-care because it's easy to say, okay, well, why do I want to do, okay. Self-care is about taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. I'm only going to benefit from this. 
And if you can keep your eye on that, if you can keep reminding yourself of that, I feel like maybe for a good, I won't say majority, but a good chunk of people will be able to overcome procrastinating. Like, okay, I've been putting off going to my doctor using the HIV example, going to my doctor and getting the details that I need so that I can start doing what I need to do to take care of myself. But then Mm -hmm. if you tell yourself, okay, well, the key in this is taking care of myself. No one else is going to do it for me. So maybe that helps you get over it. I don't know. But I do think it's important to keep your eye on the prize. That's very true. Because at the end of the day, like you said, nobody is going to take care of you except you. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're lucky, because listen, <laughs> I was watching this show on Netflix called Yummy Mummies. And Yummy Mummies. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> they're Australian, so, you know, they call mommies mummies instead of. Oh, OK. Bitch, I was. Th- <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, because when yeah, when. When I first saw the title, the first thing that popped into my head, remember that cartoon Mummies Alive? Oh, I <laughs> think so. What network was that on? I don't remember. I just remember always being like, Mummies Alive. And I'd be like, Why are the Mummies Alive? <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is about like affluent uh, women, white, of course, that are about to be mothers. They're pregnant. But I say that to say because there's this one lady who basically has like this guy that waits on her hand and foot, buys her all kinds of shit. Like he's real romantic. I mean, he's a never mind. Let me not say that. (laughs) But (laughs) and I think that's one of the rare instances where you're like, I can depend on someone else to take care of me. But for the average person, especially in the LGBT community, we all we got. You are all you have. You have to be the first one to take those steps to take care of yourself. And so I'm still learning that lesson, even at my big age, that procrastinating on taking care of myself, whatever that self care may be, whether it's the incense burning type of self care or the sage burning type of self care, or if it's the I need to start eating better so that I don't feel like a complete blob of shit type of Mm self-care either one it's important to remember why it is that you need to do it and hopefully that helps you do it and i'm getting to that point now where it's like okay it's more than just knowing why i need to do it i need to just start like you said but i have to keep my eye on the prize to kind of keep myself motivated so like so why am i sitting here eating salad when i could be eating pizza keep my Mm -hmm. eye on the prize Salad may not be as satisfying, but my body will respond better than if I have greasy pizza. You know what I mean? Yep. So the next thing says, break your self-care plan into the elements. Shift your perspective away from that big iceberg you may be turning your self-care plan into. Instead, consider the elements that make up your self-care plan. And I think I kind of talked about this a little bit about breaking the tasks down to manageable sizes and then you kind of don't realize what all you've done a good you know what that reminds me of it reminds me of in Forrest Gump when he did all that damn running and they were like why are you running he was like just because I felt like it (laughs) that's true 
That's true. And it was like a, it wasn't, it wasn't like a planned type thing, but it was like, look how much I've done. Look how far I've gone. I didn't even realize that I had run that far. And I think if you take some tasks sometimes and you break them down and then you look back, you can say, okay, like your example. Okay. I know I'm going to clean the kitchen and part of cleaning the kitchen. I got to wipe down the cabinets. I got to wipe down the counters. I got to sweep and Uh wash the dishes. And by the time you accomplish those four things you look back and you're like huh i did a lot i i didn't realize how far i ran i like forrest gump you know what i mean yeah so, absolutely i do think that's a good example important to break stuff down yeah because i know i'll list out what i need to do once some days and i'm like how the fuck am i gonna get all this shit done mm-hmm. i'm like okay so let me just let me pick the one that I know I can get done a certain day and then go from there. And it, it just, it takes time because this, these kind of steps are not, if they're not in your wheelhouse naturally or that you haven't worked on or applied they're not going to come like overnight. It, it's just going to, it's, ta- it takes time. It takes a lot of time to change habits that you've all always had. Absolutely. So the next thing says, and I think you already uh, talked about this a little bit, select the most important priorities. And they go back to the doctor example and it says, you might ask your doctor to help you. To best take care of yourself, what are the elements of your self-care plan that you need to address every day? And I think overall, if we go bigger than just the specific example that they're using in this article, priorities always rule. And it doesn't matter what aspect, like you have to have your priorities in order, in order to succeed. Now, I say that to say not everybody's priorities are on the up and up. So keep that in mind. <laughs> you know, I just want to be clear because you can be saying, okay, you got to have your priorities in order, but my priorities may not be the same or they definitely are not going to be the same as the next. And let's say, you know, we're talking about a fuck boy, a fuck boy's priorities are going to be way different. So just Hello. be cognizant of it's more than just you know you got to have beneficial priorities and those are the ones that you need to really shift to the forefront because if you make your priorities some bullshit like my priority is to make sure I wake and bake and um my priorities is to try to get as many numbers as I can from the D like, you know what I'm saying? Like if your priorities are full of shit, then that, this is not going to benefit you. Right. But if your priorities are important things, if your self care plan is one of your major priorities, if you, if you are one of your priorities, that's a far bigger cry than just saying, than having priorities and prioritizing them accordingly. Because we all have free will. Our priorities could be anything. But if they some whack shit, then, (laughs) you know, you're not doing anybody any favors. 
You're not. You're really not. And you're basically doing yourself a disfavor. But... Absolutely. But, you know, people in those positions, they don't have that level of self-awareness. Can't get right head asses. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one says commit to a manageable number of priorities and get started. Um, I think we've hit these points a little bit, but I do think it is important in this point of having a manageable number of priorities. Like I said, you may prioritize your life, but if you have 20 things that you feel are important and you prioritize 18 of them, you're still not doing yourself any favors Mm -hmm. because you're basically saying I have to get basically these 20 things done and it's like well that's not really the point of prioritizing your whole list of things cannot all be priorities like there's just no way for you to to accomplish anything in that you know what i mean like it's going to still be overwhelming you're still going to be dealing with that iceberg because you've made your whole priority list the iceberg versus saying okay even in you may even have to prioritize your priorities or your priority lists. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you have to dive down that deep, then you just have to do what you have to do. But I do think the smaller amounts of priorities and the smaller amounts of absolutes that you have to do or and accomplish, the easier it is to start. And right. Once you get momentum, then you can start taking on bigger, bigger slices of the pie so to speak but it usually is a failure in the making if you like and I'm, i don't know why maybe i'm hungry right now but i like if you sit down you're like i'm gonna eat this whole pizza versus being like okay i'm gonna eat a couple slices and see how i feel you know what i mean like that to me is the difference potentially between failure and success because it's like i'm eating to get full so i may be a couple of slices and maybe half the pizza maybe the whole pizza versus being like i'm gonna eat this whole pizza Right. Yeah. It's like, well, you may be setting yourself up for failure from the beginning. Fuck around and have indigestion, and now you're on the toilet. Mm -hmm. Especially (laughs) if you eat the wrong places, pizza. Ugh. What's up, Papa John's? (laughs) Really, all of the chains. I'm sorry. No shade, but y'all used to be better in the 90s, especially Pizza Hut, girl. Oh, I like Pizza Hut. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I do too, but I'm also, you know, I eat trash and I admit that, I, but I'm also, <laughs> I can be honest, Pizza Hut, Pizza Hut used to slap in the 90s. Oh, will you get them personal pan pizzas back in uh, school? Everything. Oh, when that, ooh, when that stuffed crust pizza came out, ooh, you, you couldn't tell, tell me shit. You couldn't tell me shit if my mama ordered a stuffed crust pizza. Let me tell you. Okay, oh, I'm it was trying to, I'm trying was to like, take oh. some to school because everybody got to know that I had a motherfucking stuffed crust pizza. Uh huh. When my ordered pizza, oh, we thought we was mad money, honey. <laughs> I love this podcast because why are we talking about pizza? Because <laughs> we both hungry. And now I'm fucking hungry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next thing says build in accountability, being accountable. In some way for maintaining our commitments can help you to stay on the path. Ooh, accountability is such a tough subject because so many people flee from it, for lack of a better term. Um, but I agree. It, there's no point in setting priorities and getting started on your priorities if you're not going to hold yourself accountable because 
how can you succeed? Right. And you can't sit back and expect someone else to do it for you. You can't expect someone else to do tasks for you and you can't expect someone else to hold you accountable to do your own tasks. Oof. That is very true. Mm-hmm. The next thing says, watch your labels. Be careful about the words you use to describe your progress in meeting your self-care daily goals. Uh, yes. I'm, so I'm going to let you take this one because I'm not 100% sure what they mean by labels. I took this as don't... Well, shoot. I, I'm reading it and... And now I don't know. <laughs> so my best guess on this one was kind of like a be cognizant of not being nice to yourself type thing. You know what I mean? Like if you label yourself as a failure, if you label yourself as lazy, if you label yourself as X, Y, Z, then maybe you start to absorb that and you start to believe it which will add to your procrastination because it's like, if I need to accomplish X, Y, Z, but I'm going into it with the, uh, the fetus mentality, then I'm going to be less likely to get started because I feel like I'm not going to succeed anyway. I'm going to fail anyway. goes back to that fear of failure. You know what I mean? Right. It's always, it's almost like a self-fulfilling pro- uh, prophecy. Like right. if I know I'm not shit, Or I know that this shit's not going to get done and I go in that mindset and then it doesn't happen. And you tell yourself like, well, see, I told you so. Right. And so, you know what this a good example that I just thought of is, you know how they have those bottles and people make their own with like water jugs where they mark off lines and then they give themselves like a message so it's like halfway through it's like you're doing good girl yeah and then 75 percent, it's like you are high the fuck drained and then whatever <laughs> the top you know what i mean so i kind of feel like it, it's the difference when they say label of okay if i'm only 20 percent, 25 percent done then i'm I still need to be positive in how I label that progress. So instead of saying 25% done, you still got 75%, you lazy bitch. You can be like 25% done. I'm, I've come a fourth of a way. I only got three more fourths and I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's that difference between positive and negative reinforcement. At least that's how I interpreted this one. Yeah. Yeah. The next one says, give yourself some encouragement. It's nice to hear positive words from others, but you'll be that much more successful if you can create your own inner motivation. Now, so I read this one and I was like, first of all, don't come for my wig. Second of all, easier (laughs) said than done. Third of all, where are the detailed steps on how to accomplish this? Exactly. You asking for a lot on this one. And I just got this wig glued in on. Especially for those of us that are dealing with mental health illnesses. Like, come on. It's it it's not easy to just be like, you need to motivate from within. Okay, how? Where is the how-to guide? I know a, a good example of this from my experience is I had moved uh, you know, across town away from a gym that I really like to go to. And the gym was now out of the way. 
And so I was like, oh, I don't know if I can want to go to the gym. So I just canceled the membership. And this was probably back around August or so. And I, I'm the kind of person that I need to get into a gym to have that time alone, exercise, and get my mind right. So for like all of this time up until now, I didn't go to, go to a gym and I felt my mood changing. And I would always look up gyms around that were closer to me or on the way from work that I can hit and then come to work. But I never took the step further. So about like sometime last month, I was like, okay, I'll go to this gym, see what it's all about. You know, maybe I can get like a discount on the membership or whatever. And finally, I made that step. They came back and say, oh, we can give you this amount, yada, yada, yada. I was like, okay, cool. And in addition to that, I signed up to the gym. And yesterday was my first my first full day back at the gym. And I felt like I, if I hadn't started the process of looking at the gyms or either applying for like a discounted rate, then I wouldn't, I would still be doing the oh, I don't know if I can fit it in my schedule, or I don't know if I can afford it, or, you know, that type of stuff. So I can I can see that, that those first steps were not so much as me saying verbatim, this is how I'm going to encourage myself, but it did encourage me to go further than those steps. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I think this one is so difficult because we're all motivated by different things. And a lot of us don't even know what motivates us sometimes. Or maybe I'm speaking for myself. Maybe I'm twirling my own wig right now. But <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with that because people are like, well, what motivates you? I'm like, bitch, I don't know. <laughs> Money? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's. So it can be tough. I've always said self-analyzation, if that's even a word, self-analyzing is such a sticky and hard task. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, that's a word right there because Lord of mercy. Right, because we can always do it with uh, other people. We can read them down or talk about this, that for the other person. But once you actually have to examine your own self, mm-hmm. then that's a whole nother story. Absolutely. And we won't even talk about how many people are scared of that. Right. Oh, I want to do that work because that self-actualization is uncomfortable i talked about that before how uncomfortable it is you have to be mindful of that it's not easy you have to be honest with yourself also not easy (laughs) (laughs) it isn't (laughs) the next thing says develop a plan for increasing your adherence success creates more success this is easier said than done also i feel like yeah And I think that can be wrapped up into some of the other ones that we've talked about. Yeah. As far as developing a plan. I I agree. I agree. Take a step back. Procrastination might not be the only reason you aren't successful with your self-care plan. 
It may be too aggressive with an unreasonable number of ch changes expected all at once. You may have aspects of your plan that are just too difficult for you to accomplish or that just plain don't fit with the way you live your life. And I think this is goes back to what we were talking about before when I was saying that your priorities need to make sense. Otherwise, what are you doing it for? You're not going to make any progress towards whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, whether it's with your self-care plan or a project at work or whatever the case may be. If you prioritize and you focus on the wrong things that mm -hmm. can be an adherence. But I agree with this too. I think and I, I can use myself as an example. So whenever I tell myself, okay, fat bitch, it's enough of being fat, you know, get back in the gym or whatever. Whenever I go to the gym, I always historically have gone way too hard when I first go. Mm -hmm. And so my body's super sore and it, it, drastically decreases the chances of me going the next day or whatever the next scheduled day because I went too hard. I did too much. And I think mm -hmm. that that falls in line with what this is saying. Like if your goals are too aggressive or if you're expecting too much, <laughs> like those jokes was like, well, I ate a piece of lettuce yesterday and I woke up and I didn't have a six pack. Like, what the fuck? Like, right, you know, like right. I know that's a joke, <laughs> but I'm saying like a lot of people, a lot of us, we feel that way about a lot of different things. We think if we do one small thing, then these huge changes are supposed to happen. Or we're just not prepared for changes in the first place. So we have a lot of changes happen and we were, you know, like I said, we're, we're ill prepared to deal with that because change is hard. Mm -hmm. It does not happen overnight. Yeah. And this whole that whole mindset of if I do one small thing, then everything else is going to change. That is very indicative of how we've grown up and how our parents told us that we can be anything we want to be. We can have everything we want to be. But they didn't give us the reality of how shit was going to be. You know, they didn't have to we didn't know that there was going to be a dot com burst in the 99s and 2000s. We didn't know that the housing crisis was going to do what it did and take away all these jobs and put everybody in this kind of position. We didn't know that, oh, all of these jobs or are not going to be here or going to be automated and there's going to be less jobs for us to compete with. So. Yeah, I don't even know what I was talking about at first, yeah. but you know a good way to sum this one up, Beyonce. Not, hello, <laughs> in a couple of different ways. So one, Beyonce wasn't built in a day. I always love that quote, or Oprah. I mean, whatever. I just you know I'm a Beyonce stand, so whatever. But Beyonce wasn't built in a day. We see how her greatness, but. We have to be cognizant of the fact that all of that did not happen, as you said, overnight. It took a long time for Beyonce to get to where she is now. And I think just her as a person, like she she's a very good example of having your priorities in line and accomplishing success in a way that works for you. 
mm-hmm. you know, because she doesn't do things that are too difficult for her to accomplish. She knows what she's capable of. And that's not to say that she doesn't try things that are difficult. I'm sure she does. You know, uh, that's that how wig, she... those bangs. So. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but <laughs> I say that to say, you know, Beyonce is not out here trying to build a rocket from scratch. Right. That's, that's way too difficult for her to accomplish. Can she be a bad bitch and basically shut down Coachella. Yes. And she did. She knows what she's capable of. And I think the other thing is that Beyonce lives her life in a way that her goals and her accomplishments, they fit with the way that she wants to live her life. She wants to live her life being vegan or vegetarian or whatever the fuck it works for her. Her body responds to it. Mm-hmm. You know, she lives her life where she's not feeding into negativity on the internet. She posts her content and she goes. She knows what works for her. So that's why I use Beyonce as an example. Exactly. A lot of you hoes need to just post and go instead of mm. fighting in these comments. But that's another uh, show. Yeah. <laughs> or just post and go. Like, I didn't really have a caption. Please, please. That was a caption. Anyway, now we're, just be, now we're being petty. <laughs> so let's wrap this up. Here's the last thing. It says, learn from those times when you don't quite get around to it. Not achieving your self-care goals might also be a learning experience. I think that's fair. I think every experience is a learning experience. Yeah. yeah. No matter how small or big it is. And if you're willing to receive those things that are learned. Absolutely. You got to be willing to be open to those lessons. Otherwise, you're not going to learn anything. But yeah, I agree. And otherwise, those uh, lessons are going to come around again and they're going to be harder. Yep. Or they're going to yeah. smack you around even harder. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, oh, you didn't learn the first time? <laughs> right. And then and then you really in trouble. And now you're mad at me. Yeah, now you're mad at the world <laughs> when you already went through this multiple times and you didn't learn. <laughs> uh, isn't that why they say history is important so that we don't repeat the same mistakes? Uh, yes. Which that's a whole, <laughs> Whew, man. We there's a lot of things that we've spoken on that <laughs> could be a whole show on its own. But we have wrapped up this particular show with this conversation. I hope that you guys heard something that helps you deal with procrastination if that's something that you struggle with, and to prioritize your self care. Yes, because we need y'all out here. Yes. We can't take over the world, and I'm speaking specifically to the LGBT community, (laughs) if our priorities are out of whack and we're not doing what the fuck we need to do. And being accountable. Ooh, Lord, gay men. Anyway. Anyway, (laughs) Nick, thank you so, so, so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed this conversation and speaking with you. I did, too. Thank you so much for inviting me. One more time, tell people where they can find you and your podcast. Okay. For uh, the podcast, we are at Megasheen Pod on Twitter. 
Uh, you can like, rate, subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Give us five stars because four th- or less don't matter. Um, me, if you want to follow me and listen to my ramblings of craziness, I'm at Porter Pizzazz. Uh, Victor's at Wonder Man 5, my co-host. Um, yeah, that's about it. All right. So you guys check out Mega Sheen. Get your gay geeky goodness. Oh, yes. Come on, alliteration. <laughs> I love a good alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to alliterate right on out of here. <laughs> Bye. So that's that on that. Another show in the books. Real quick before we get out of here, chime in. If you have thoughts on what you've heard, sound off. Use the hashtag GaySidePod when you're live tweeting or posting about the show. As a brief reminder, you can listen to this show on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, countless others, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. Send in any gay side mail to gaysidestories at gmail.com. And that can be letters, compliments, show topic ideas, stories, pitches for being on the show. If you want me to be on your show, send all of that stuff to gaysidestories at gmail.com. Take a moment to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating. And if you really love what I'm doing here, write a review. That's how people find us. And despite how Apple treats that podcast app, it is still the biggest hub for podcasts. And we want to be seen. With all that being said, thank you so much for listening. And as always, make sure you're sharing this podcast with others. I appreciate the likes, but reposting and resharing could potentially turn into a new listener. Remember, you can also find me on Ratchet Ramblings with Jeremy and Candace discussing black reality TV shows and being probably offensive, but it's all in good fun. Lastly... I say this all the time and I mean it. Love yourself and whether you're top, bottom, verse, however you identify, protect your walls or they will crumble. You do not want to be out here with walls like ancient ruins and I'm out. See you guys when I see you. Wait a minute, now I gotta fix my crown. Uh-huh. A lot of niggas out, but who got this sound? Y'all run the block, but I run this town. The fresh peers on their neck, I ain't playing around. I told y'all, now I gotta bust big balls. Uh-huh. Niggas out here really got the goal. So I'ma talk my shit, I'ma piss them off. Get them hot and ready, then I'm dipping off. Hot damn. Who you know fine is this? Uh-huh. Who you know rhyme got the lineman's grip? Uh-huh. Who you know got them in line to lick? I got the laxi flow, it's out time I shit. Uh-huh. Now I got them flexing. Son of the future, I'm Elroy Jetson. Let me coach you, I'll teach you a lesson. How to dick him and dip, no questions. Y'all niggas cramp my style and look crazy. Uh-huh. Niggas tryna ride my wave, I'm too wavy. Uh-huh. I'ma still pop my shit till I'm 80. You know you made it when the internet is hated. Yeah. It's a dog eat dog, and you ain't got the bite or the bark. You can't leave a scratch or a mark. You a guppy tryna swim with the sharks. Uh. Time to flex on niggas who be hating. Flex on, flex off. Flex on, time to flex on niggas who be hating.